A sporting off-season is usually filled with all of the drama that you can expect from, well, perhaps some of the best TV shows going around. But goodness gracious me, are there some talking points to get through with the NBA off-season? And I couldn't do it alone. I've got to do it with the great man himself, Smithy. How are you, mate? And the NBA off-season is continuing to deliver. It is, but in a different way than we're used Mm. to seeing, I guess, because um, free agency is always one of the big... Uh, exciting points of an NBA offseason and the actual free agency aspect of it has been the least exciting. We've seen trades before, during and after the peak of free agency. We've seen uh, players re-signing long extensions, but when you look at the actual free agency moves, there's not a lot to talk about. So it's a different year, but we've still got lots of exciting talking points to go over. Yeah, it's almost the case of the hypotheticals are more interesting than the actual results, aren't they? And we'll talk about yeah. uh, how that works at the end because before we can get into the what might happen, we've got to get into the what did happen. Now, I'm actually convinced that this trade took place uh, in another lifetime, but Christian Wood is a maverick now, and we'll talk about uh, the implications of that. But just to recap the trade, so the Mavs did get Christian Wood of course, young, exciting uh, forward-center sort of combo. Well, that's how he played at the Rockets, at least. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, he goes at the Mavs. But the Rockets received Wendell Moore. He was the number 26 pick in this year's NBA draft. Boban Majanovic, I hope I've pronounced that right. Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, and Marquise Chris. What's interesting for me in this trade first up, Smithy, is the Rockets went for established NBA players rather than draft picks. So they are wanting to fill out their roster uh, with this move. Yeah, well, Marquise Chris has actually played some good basketball for the Rockets before, so they'll Mm. remember him. Boban is a fan favorite. He's going to bring players, or he's going to bring fans into the arena, even if he's not playing. Uh, (laughs) Sterling Brown and Trey Burke can contribute on bad teams, which the Rockets will probably be for another year. Wendell Moore is an exciting prospect, but the big talking point is Christian Wood to the Mavs. Mm. He is essentially Dwight Powell on steroids. He is a very similar player, but has got a more defined and refined skill set. He's going to fit really nicely alongside uh, Luka Doncic. I think he's going to be what they wanted Chris Stapps Porzingis to be. Mm. Uh, He's a good rebounder. He can finish down low, and he can also stretch the floor a little bit. So uh, I really like this move for the Mavs. They didn't give up any key pieces. You know, none of these players played significant minutes in the playoffs. So it's not like they had to give up a valuable asset to acquire a valuable asset. So really good result for the Mavericks, I think, this one. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Luca and, and Christian Wood are going to be a formidable pairing, and we know that they've made um, off-season moves as well. They've got JaVale McGee over, so it looks like I think Christian Wood will start at the four or potentially the five, and JaVale McGee will come off the bench. But as far as I'm concerned, and we don't do trade grades or any of that crap because, it, number one, it's cheap, and number two, it's it's some of the most pretentious guesswork, I think, in sports media overall. But if you're a Mavericks fan, you're coming out of this trade and you're absolutely loving this. Let's get to uh, a trade of a man that I think Smithy, if he created a top five players who didn't play for Portland list, I would expect this man to feature prominently, and that would be DeJounte Murray, and he has gone to the Atlanta Hawks, him and Jock Landau, and reports are suggesting that he's gone to Phoenix. 
And the Spurs have received Danilo Gallinari, and he's then agreed to terms with Boston. So it's all about the trade capital here. And that is a 2023 first-round pick, and that's via Charlotte from New York, and that's got some protections on it. A 2025 first-round pick. They'll swap picks in 2026. I think that's for a first-rounder as well, and a first-round pick in 2027. So the Spurs offload some talent in the present, Smithy, for some talent in the future. Yeah, three uh, first-round picks. I think the 25 and 27 ones are unprotected. So mm. um, if things don't work in at, work out in Atlanta, it could be a very good result for the Spurs. But I love what the Hawks have done here. They've identified Trey Young's weakness in terms of uh, defensively in the backcourt. So what have they gone and done? Arguably put the second-best defensive guard in the NBA next to him in DeJounte Murray. Uh, they automatically look like one of the best backcourts in the NBA. DeJounte Murray brings everything that Trey Young doesn't. Um, I think it's going to be a match made in heaven. Poor Jock Landale on the side has been traded twice in the space of about 48 hours, but he's ended up in Phoenix, the uh, Australian boy, so we're very happy for him there. Hopefully he can uh, get a ring at some stage. But the, the question I've got about this trade in terms of Atlanta is can Trey Young play off the ball since he came into the NBA and even in his time at Oklahoma in college, he had the ball in his hands the whole game, pretty much. Mm. Like if he if the ball wasn't in his hands, he had passed it to someone who then shot the ball. He's used to the game revolving around him. With DeJounte Murray coming in, he's going to require a lot of ball um, dominance and they're probably going to look to DeJounte Murray to run the offense because he's not as prolific of a three-point shooter as Trey Young is, obviously. So I can see Trey Young playing a lot off the ball. Uh, if he can do that and he can even increase his shooting percentages, uh, if they can get him some more wide-open looks, this is going to be a very dangerous Atlanta Hawks team, that's for sure. And considering they've kept uh, John Collins and Clint Capella as well, I mean, that yeah. starting five is coming together. Magnificently. I I tend to agree with you. I think we're going to get the answer to the question, can Trey Young um, not develop his game? Because we know everyone's going to have a sense of um, natural improvement in them. We know that. But for everyone, and this is media, not fans and, and not uh, Trey himself or anything, but this whole Steph light narrative that gets pushed, we know how good Steph is off the ball as well. So it, it kind of is... Um, developing into a similar narrative. Now, I'm not suggesting Trey is going to be um, Steph or anything like that, but I think if we can see Trey um, be good with the ball and without the ball, I mean, lock Atlanta into a playoff spot. I'm not saying it's going to be contender style. I've still got some questions that I think, well, I think Atlanta would have the questions as well, but as far as the move goes, massive tick. Um, just quickly on the Spurs, are you surprised that they've gone down the path of getting talent later? It's something that they haven't been known for doing. I know they've been very successful in the last couple of decades, but is this a fans aren't really used to it, so it seems strange, or are you confused? Where do you stand on the Spurs? When the reports first came out, I was pretty confused as to why they'd want to get rid of DeJounte Murray. But mm. I think they've sat back and they've said, okay, DeJounte Murray isn't realistically part of our next championship team. I think mm -hmm. they've identified that they're in need of a full rebuild. 
DeJounte Murray is due to get paid very soon and is going to demand a massive contract. So if they had have held on to him and it had have got to, you know, one year out to his, you know, contract extension, and then they tried to trade him, they wouldn't have got anywhere close to this much because the teams would have realized that it could have been a one-year rental. They will have to pay him probably north of $200 million for five years. So I think the Spurs have done a good job looking into the future. The one question I've got about this trade, and Knicks fans are going to end up hating me before the season starts. (laughs) But reports came out before the trade was finalized. The Spurs only want to draft capital for DeJounte Murray. They weren't looking to swap all-stars. They weren't looking for a multiplayer package. All they wanted was draft capital and a salary dump, which they got in Danilo Gallinari because they traded for him and then released him. So for a team that owns 13 first-round picks, being the New York Knicks, after all the trading they did during the draft to acquire future assets, DeJounte Murray is literally like the perfect player for New York to build around. And they couldn't give up three first-round picks or four first-round picks to beat the Hawks' offer. Mm. It's baffling. Like, they own so many future assets, but they're unwilling to give them up for a player who's coming off an all-star season. It's just ridiculous. I don't know. We questioned the direction of the New York Knicks in the last episode, and... Since this has happened, it only begs me to question even further what the hell they are doing. I wish I had the answers for you, mate. Unfortunately, I don't. And I think part of the problem is I don't think Knicks fans know either. But if uh, they can let us know, we'd really appreciate it. Let's go to the other trade. And, oh, boy, this is a mouthful of what the Jazz got for Rudy Gobert, who is now a Timberwolf. Timberwolf, I should say. Um, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Leandro Balmaro, probably butchered that name. Walker Kessler, and uh, that kind of makes my um, take on him and how well the Wolves did in the draft look. Not sillier now, but uh, now that he's moved on, he's still going to bring all those assets just to a different team. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, a 2023 first-round pick, 2025 First round pick, a 2026 pick swap. I believe that's in the second round. 2027 first round pick and a 2029 first round pick protected. So that's three unprotected picks, Smithy. So they'll be hoping that things go tits up in Minnesota. Yeah, it's essentially five first round picks because Walker Kessel was drafted, what, a week and a half ago? Mm. So essentially the Jazz have received five first round picks for Rudy Gobert which is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous to think about. But given Rudy Gobert's skill set, when you look around the league, Minnesota is arguably the best place that he can land Mm. because he has got another center next to him. And it's sort of like the Trey Young, DeJounte Murray thing where Rudy Gobert does well what Carl Anthony Downs doesn't do well and vice Mm -hmm. versa. So I think that they're going to fit pretty well with each other. Uh, If Rudy Gobert is struggling in the playoffs or in late-game situations, they can put him on the bench and let Carl Anthony Towns play the center position because Carl Anthony Towns is a bit better equipped out on the perimeter, moving his feet and guarding smaller defenders. When you look at the Wolves' starting lineup at the moment, 
you have a look and it's D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert. That is a very, very good starting five. Yeah, it's frightening. But what have they got behind that? Mm. That's and that and that's the thing. This trade really stripped them of a lot of their depth. Malik Beasley was a very good six man for them. Patrick Beverly, as we know, played really important minutes for Minnesota. Jared Vanderbilt was a starter in this team last year. So on top of the draft capital that they had to give up, they've also given up really important rotational pieces. Uh, so I think they need to be very smart between now and the start of the season, gradually gaining depth for their bench. Otherwise, uh, this move could go poorly. This might not work. It, without depth, you're in a lot of trouble. So, uh, And Rudy Gobert, on top of the massive contract that he's got, which in five years' time is probably going to look like the worst in the NBA, he has got some glaring deficiencies. So... As much as on the surface, this looks like a really good Minnesota Timberwolves team and it looks like a really good move, I'm a little bit concerned. Well, you don't even have to look that far into the past, do you? With Golden State, yeah, they had a magnificent starting five, but it still took Jordan Poole playing really well. It still took these guys that came in and played. Otto you know, Porter plays massive movements. minutes yeah, in the just, Yeah, just couldn't miss a three, could he, at, at some stages there. So I do agree with you. It does take a squad of eight a squad of nine to get it done right now. They're a squad of five, but uh, if we're talking about fives and we'll figure out what they do later, uh, I agree with you. It's almost a cautious tick. I like it. So let's go to free agency. Now at previous count, there have been 18 free agency moves. Don't worry. We're not going to go through all of them, um, but we have built Smithy and we're kind of proud of this. We've built the free agency. What the fuck sandwich. And yep. what what that is, is we're going to talk about the three that we think um, are the biggest in terms of talking points uh, and confusion. So what we've got is we've got a what the fuck piece of bread. We've got an amazing move in the middle. Then we've got a what the fuck move to finish, hence the WTF sandwich. Let's start with the first bit of confusion, mate, from a rumor to a meme to real life to a real life meme. Jalen Brunson is a New York Nick. For the next four years, $104 million. And I think we need to make this perfectly clear. The memification, that's not a word, but I'm going with it anyway, is not directed at Jalen Brunson at all. By all means, get your money. Like I know we're on the same boat with this. Absolutely do it. The laughter, the confusion, and the, the, the comedy that's almost come out of this uh, is directed at New York. Purely and directly at the New York Knicks. I've got to say for my kings out there, my fellow males, get yourself a girl who will put as much effort into you as the New York Knicks have put into Jalen Brunson, and you will be a happy man because happy they man. have moved mountains to get this man. They hired his dad. They Shit. made about four off-season trades. They've literally done everything you can think imaginable to sign this man to be a New York Nick and his best averaging season is 16 points a game. That's nuts. <laughs> it's, and this comes back to the confusion with the DeJounte Murray <laughs> trade, because you put DeJounte Murray next to Jalen Brunson and, and DeJounte is a five times better basketballer than Jalen Brunson. Hmm. It's, it's as well, maybe not five times, but you know, he's a significantly better basketballer than Jalen Brunson. He's an all star, he averages more points, assists, 
rebounds, steals, all the major categories, DeJounte Murray beats Jalen Brunson. And all they had to do was give up four of their 13 future first-round picks, and they probably would have got him instead of shaving half your roster in order to sign this guy who, for all we know, might not even work out. So, look, I'm happy for Jalen Brunson. It's this is life changing money. He'll be set. F- him and his family will be set for the rest of his life, which is awesome. That's all you can hope for. But for the New York Knicks, they better hope this works out. Otherwise, the scrutiny is going to be higher than ever. And of course, we're going to run the petition. We might make it real whether New York are banned from Madison Square Garden because that arena deserves better. Yeah, we um, might have to move them out. Yeah, change change.org might be the place to go, but. Um, let's go to the one where we think, holy moly, this could work out really well. And that is John Wall becomes a clipper for two years. Uh, he's getting 13 and a half mil. Look, if I know everyone's going to say the guy's barely stepped out on the court. We know that. And we know him, Kawhi and, and Paul George are essentially the, um, the big three of injuries at the moment. All they need to do is to get it right for a significant period and all of a sudden they're contenders. Real or overreaction for you? Nah, that's real. Um, John Wall could have played a lot of last year, but what was the point for him to play? He was on a Rockets team that was bound to be a bottom three seed in the West. What's the point of playing there and risking hurting yourself again? So he essentially sat out last year as a healthy scratch um, to get himself right, to try and find a contending team to play on. And the Clippers looks like a really great fit. John Wall, five years ago, was a top three-point guard in the NBA. And this is in a league with prime Curry, prime Kyrie Irving, prime Russell Westbrook. John Wall was right in that conversation. He was unbelievable. So if you get anywhere close to that for the Clippers... It's going to form a very, very nice team. Uh, they'll probably have Reggie Jackson coming off the bench. This is when you look at the Clippers roster, it's one of the most talented in the NBA, if healthy. And I know that Daz <laughs> hates the word if when it comes to mm. sport, and I understand it. But you look at the starting lineup, you've got John Wall, you'll have Norman Powell, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Evitz Zubats. And then off the bench, Reggie Jackson, Nick Batum's come back, Robert Covington. That's eight very, very good NBA players in a rotation. Yeah. So yeah. I know the word if is an ideal, but Clippers fans, you've definitely got something to look forward to. This could be extremely fun. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's the word that comes to mind instantly. It's going to be a fun watch. And if you're not a Clippers fan, I think it's going to be a fun watch whether it works or it doesn't, um, which is one of the beautiful things about sport, if we're being honest. But yeah, if you're a Clippers fan right now, get up out of your chair and scream to the heavens. This looks awesome. Uh, from awesome back to what the actual. Um, PJ Tucker becoming a 76er, and you might think, oh, that's that's not the worst thing in the world. And I agree with you. Three years, oh, that seems like a, a bit of a long time. And you think, oh, 3.2 mil, that's, that's you know, pretty cheap. Oh, hang on. No, uh, let me adjust the glasses. That's 33.2 million, Smithy. What? 11 million a year for a 36-year-old forward. This yeah. has got the Al Horford contract written all over it in <laughs> uh, a bit less of a financial term. But 
The Sixers gave Al Horford a four-year, $100 million deal. He was on the roster for half a season and traded. So uh, this could backfire. The Sixers are a team that love to throw out money. Hello, Tobias Harris, if you're listening out there anywhere. But uh, they do love to give uh, ridiculous contracts. <sighs> yes, he's he he fits a role. He plays really good defense. He'll knock down the corner three. But is he what's going to get the 76ers over a second-round playoff exit? No, he's not going to. You look at the starting lineup, Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, Tobias Harris, PJ Tucker, and Joel Embiid. It's all, all good on paper, but what's James Harden doing next year? Is he going to be good or is he going to be recent James Harden? What's Tobias Harris doing next year? Is he going to continue to be the most overpaid player in the NBA or is he going to return to you know his 20-point-per-game form? So many question marks and I... I can't justify a three-year deal for a 36-year-old forward. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think I could put it any better than that. I think you've nailed it. Let's go to the uh, extensions. Now, some of these are going to make perfect sense. There's a couple on this page that, oh, boy, are making dazzling scratch his head. But let's start with Zach Levine, five-year, 215 mil. I don't think anyone can begrudge that, can you, Smithy? Nah, the Bulls had to keep Zach Levine because they – did so much to put things around him that it would be silly to let him walk at this stage. Um, I worry about his body. He has injury concerns and his game style doesn't support that sort of um, question mark in terms of injuries. But uh, when he's going, he's one of the better offensive players in the league. So yeah, pretty, pretty stock standard sort of tick for me. Yeah. The bulls, they're looking pretty good with Goran Dragic. And Andre Drummond coming on board as well. Let's go to Darius Garland now. The stat of five-year, 193 mil, it, it's not something that uh, stands out to me in terms of bad at all. I love the way that he played last year. But what surprised me is that's the um, most money in a five-year deal ever afforded to a Cavs player. Does that surprise you? It doesn't, actually. I, I'm not surprised by that because... Um, when LeBron James signed, he didn't sign for five years. I don't think when he went back, I think it was a four year deal. Um, and there hasn't been anyone since LeBron who's deserved a contract like this. Uh, I love this. For, I love this for Cleveland. Darius Garland is one of the best young point guards in the NBA. Uh, but this goes to show if I'm an opposition team in need of a young point guard, I'd be calling the Cleveland Cavaliers phone right now for Colin Sexton. Yeah. Because if you're going to get him, now's the time. They, they've just poured all of their future assets and all their future money into Darius Garland. It's quite obvious that he's the guy. If I'm someone like the Los Angeles Lakers, who, if they don't get a certain Brooklyn Net, who we're going to talk about later, if they want a young point guard to come along, they could get Colin Saxon on the cheap and a team could look back and think, geez, we really stole this guy away. Um so I think that's probably my biggest takeaway out of it is Colin Sexton could be on the move. Yeah, I I like the way. Um, I think a lot of teams are going to look at that and think that he could be the guy. And I'm not saying – we're not saying that they have to offer him that same contract or anything like that, but he could be a guy on the move. Let's make these next two probably the quickest ticks in history, mate, and that would be Nikola Jokic, five-year, 236 million, and Ja Morant, five-year, 213 mil. Tick, tick, move on. 
Yeah, there's yeah. absolutely no argument on those two contracts. They're no-brainers. Yeah, 100%. Uh, let's go to Carl Anthony Towns. Four years, $224 million. On paper, or you just read it like that, you think, okay, he's a, a really good big man. Um, $56 million a year is a, a hell of a lot of money. But the next question that arises for me is if he's getting money, we know Rudy Gobert isn't going to be cheap. Anthony Edwards is going to be up for extension whilst this contract is still in place. Are you worried about potential financials there? Absolutely, I'm worried. This is the most expensive front court in NBA history with him and Rudy Rudy Gobert together. Um, D'Angelo Russell's not on a cheap deal either. He signed with the Warriors four years, 120 million, Hmm. uh, and they they traded in that contract. So those three together are making over 500 million over the next four years. That is a concern because (laughs) when Anthony Edwards is up for his extension, what what are you going to do? Do you move on from D'Angelo Russell? There's no one who's going to want to take on Rudy Gobert's contract at that stage. And you've poured so many future assets into him that it wouldn't be wise to trade him regardless. You're not going to trade Carl Anthony Towns. They could be in a really sticky situation. So that's definitely a watch this space. Yeah, this is either going to be one of the greatest success stories or one of the biggest failures in uh, four years from now, mate, when we're still talking about this, I can't wait to find out the answer. Let's go to Zion, five-year, 231 mil. I mean, my takeaway from this is he better get on the court. Yeah, and I saw a saw a uh, funny tweet on Twitter the other day that said, um, if you can get paid $530 million to post a video of you doing a dunk between the legs on your iPhone, uh, everyone would be pretty rich because... That's all that Zion did last year. He didn't touch an NBA floor. Um, he's looking in great shape over everything I've seen on social media. But until he gets out on the NBA floor and averages 28 points per game again, like he did uh, a few seasons ago, it's a big question mark. This guy promises the world, but hasn't delivered anything yet. Mm. Yep, I, I agree. It's... Uh... It's going to be an interesting situation. I like Brennan Ingram, you know, that oh, I think we're both pretty big um, BI fans. So, but the Zion situation, one to watch. Now, speaking of memes, the Dort man. Now, my favorite part of the announcement that he was getting five years, 87 and a half mil, was Nick Wright freaking out on Twitter. And we know how good his takes have been lately. Um, <laughs> do you support the what the hell are the Thunder doing, or do you don't mind it? 13 and a half mil. It doesn't look like a massive investment compared to other contracts in the league? No, I think this is a good contract. With the rate of inflation in the NBA and how much more players are getting paid every offseason, in three or four years' time, if Lou Dort naturally progresses into the player that he's shaping to be, this is going to be one of the best contracts in the NBA because you've got a 3 and D forward who can shoot the ball and defend at the highest level possible if he's making 13 million four years from now, we're going to look back and think that the Thunder absolutely finesse the system and he'll be one of the most underpaid players in the NBA. So um, I'm going directly against our mate Nick Wrong on this one. Uh, the, the guy who said the Warriors won't win another championship with Steph Curry. So take what he says with a grain of salt, please. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I've just done the math in my head. It's actually 17 and a half million, but I don't think that four and a half million really is going to tip opinions. Uh, let's go to Devin Booker, um, who did a little bit of a trade himself, mate. He traded uh, Kendall Jenner for a four-year, $224 million contract. Yeah, and I'm so out on Devin Booker at the moment. Oh, considering you, oh, you could not be selling his stock faster. Considering his playoff performance. Um, obviously, they were going to keep him. Like, There's no question about that. And he had a very good regular season last year. Oh, I... The, it might be recency bias, but that playoff series is just singed into the back of my brain. Um, I can't forget about it. And he has to come out and prove that he is worth this contract next year. Um, when Chris Paul goes, he'll have the backcourt to himself. And that might sort of be the catalyst for this contract extension because Chris Paul won't be around forever. But my goodness, this is probably the one deal out of all of them where I look at it and think, Geez, that's too much money. Smithy's cautious side is kicking in $56 million a year. I wouldn't even know what to do with that money. Goodness me. All right, let's go. Last but not least, Bradley Beal, five years, $251 million. The deal doesn't surprise me. The fact he's still a wizard is. What were your thoughts? Yeah, loyal to a fault, to be honest. Mm. Um, Which is ironic thing- considering how much we give shit to players who leave. And by we, yeah. I mean fans, media, not particularly you and I. Yeah, yeah. Um, weird, he came out and said that the only thing he wants to do before he retires is win. Mm. And he signed this contract to do essentially the exact opposite with the way the Wizards have been ran lately. Uh, there's not a lot to be excited about in Washington. So, <sighs> unusual, but... I think he's worth the money. He's arguably one of the best shooting guards in the NBA and has been very good for the Washington Wizards in his career. So they'll be happy to keep him, but I'm not sure he's going to get his wish of winning anytime soon. Yeah, it does look a uh, a little bit difficult for him. I love the loyalty. I know we've talked about Dame as well um, doing the right thing. So we wish Bradley Beal all the best. Now we're bringing back... Well, it's, it's my favourite segment, especially when the Blazers were going no good uh, throughout the NBA season because Airman was having weekly meltdowns, which uh, if you're Australian, you'll understand the humour behind that. But the uh, Blazers breakdown, mate, how have you seen your favourite team and their off-season so far? Yeah, only really three things to speak about. Um, post-draft, we re-signed Anthony Simons four years, $100 million, pretty much the second that free agency started. Big tick for me. Uh, he showed last season that he is the real deal. So I think that's a good contract. Um, we came out and signed Gary Payton, the second on day one of free agency, a move that I am a big fan of. I think you can't teach his defense. And he, despite him being the son of an NBA player, he has not done it easy in his career. Yeah. Um, he's bounced from the G League to the NBA, back to the G League. He was playing Summer League last year. Mm. So even this time last year, he was not a guarantee to be part of an NBA roster. Uh, worked hard, turned himself into a very valuable rotational piece for the Golden State Warriors. And he's exactly what Portland need. He is a perimeter defender who will lay everything out on the court for his team. So 
I was a big fan of that signing. And then finally, we've re-signed Yusuf Nurkic to a four-year deal. If we cannot get anything else for him, then it's a good deal because our center depth is not good. So um, it was better off to sign him up and have him there, potentially to use in a deal for maybe a DeAndre Ayton, potentially a Miles Turner would be ideal. But um, look, he's he's good enough to be a starting center on a playoff team. Is he good enough to be a starting center on a championship team? That is a completely different question and one that I'm not convinced of. But um, yeah, I think I'd rather have him there than not have him there. Yeah, beautiful. Love that. And the Blazers are going to be, well, they're going to be an interesting watch. And uh, I know how big of a fan our man is of Anthony Simon. So I'm looking forward to that, to the Celtics, mate. Yes, we uh, we left the trade out because uh, mm. we've got something to talk about here with the Celtics. We need Daz's thoughts. We do, and as a an NBA fan that was just so used to Danny Ainge uh, stockpiling picks like they were the last currency on earth before the zombie apocalypse, it's been really awesome to see Brad Stevens making moves. We've said it since day dot, mate. As a fan, you would rather us make moves that fail than not make moves at all and stay stagnant because even if you're moving backwards, it's a lot easier to see where forward is once you're moving. If you're stagnant and you feel comfortable, you're in trouble. I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get DeJounte Murray, but once uh, we realized that they wanted draft capital, that's actually the only thing the Celtics don't really have at the moment. So that was fine. We turned to a rookie of the year winner in Malcolm Brogdon, and we gave up uh, Nick Stauskas, Juan Morgan, Malik Fitz, a 2023 first-round pick. Now, the reason why I lumped those together before I get to the last two pieces is they were essentially, I mean, they're Celtics pieces, but without being Celtics players, if that makes sense. They didn't really get on the court unless the benches were emptied. So think of that what you will. And then Daniel Tice, who I would still, I am still so confident that before the end of next season, we'll be back at Boston because it's kind of how his career's gone at this point. And Aaron Neesmith has gone to Indiana as well, which I really like that for him. I'm a Neesmith fan. I think he tries his guts out. It just wasn't the right time or the right fit at the Celtics once it became clear that Smart, Brown, and Tatum were going nowhere. So I hope he goes well. And, of course, uh, Malcolm Brogdon was the only piece that we got from Indiana. Mate, I, I love this so much. I know he's not on a sixth-man contract, but it's really hard to see him starting with the injury history. If he has a full preseason, uh, does it become a Brogdon, Smart, Brown, Tatum, uh, Time Lord starting five with, of course, Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams, and Al Horford coming off the bench? That's an interesting question. Or if his body isn't holding up as well during the regular season, then it'll probably stay um, with a smart uh, Brown, Tatum, Al Horford, and Robert Williams starting five with Malcolm Brogdon being the sixth man. And just quickly before I get your thoughts as well, we signed uh, Gallinari to a two-year deal, which is, you know, fine. We've got enough defense in a lot of players. He's an offensive threat, a defensive liability, but that's okay. Um, we don't ask our players to be perfect at everything. But, mate, I've said it before and I'll say it again. We're making moves, which I love. If Brogdon's fit, looks like a steal with the package that we gave up. And uh, Brad Stevens, I think, is fulfilling his destiny in the NBA and that is being in the front office and not a coach. And I mean that with all due respect, considering he took us to the playoffs a considerable amount of times. 
Yeah, definitely didn't give up much when you look at it. Um, three of the five players didn't play, and Aaron Neesmith played some valuable minutes in the playoffs, but he was never going to be a uh, significant piece in terms of a finals run. Same with Daniel Tice. Barely played in the back end of the playoffs. So uh, to get all that for something that you probably needed, and that's a, a defensive first, uh, pass first point guard, Malcolm Brogdon doesn't need to come in and average 18 points per game. All he needs to do is be efficient, pass the ball, don't turn the ball over, and play defense. Mm. And I am extremely confident he can do both of those things at a very high level, which is going to take the pressure off Marcus Smart as a ball handler, and it's going to let him even further his ability to play defense fantastically. I, as a outside neutral fan would think that the starting lineup on day one will be Brogdon, Smart, Brown, Tatum, Time Lord. Mm. I just think that's the logical progression for them. Um, yes, they might need to nurse Brogdon through the regular season with his injuries, but you guys were just in an NBA finals. You've got better over the offseason. I think you're going to be in a position to be able to nurse some people through, uh, yeah. including Time Lord, Malcolm Brogdon. You're going to be able to sort of look after these guys and nurse them through the season without a problem. And just quickly on Gallinari, he provides something that you probably didn't have in the finals, and that's that catch and shoot big. Mm. Uh, Al Horford was really good in terms of shooting the ball, but when Grant Williams was in the game, he didn't look like hitting a three-pointer. Uh, you could even play Gallinari as a stretch five in short bursts and just play five out, stretch the floor, try and knock down some threes. So I think he could be a pretty valuable little asset. Yeah, and if there's one person that I'm confident in figuring it out, it is my man Jack. He's a star. Glad to see him back for a second year. All right. It's my favorite running favorite running joke in the NBA circles. Your man Jack. Yeah, I love it. All right. So from the that's everything that has happened. Let's have a look uh to the future and we think what will happen. And of course that is the uh, the Brooklyn Nets and what is going to happen with Kyrie and KD. Let's start with Kyrie because, and no one's ever said this about Kyrie ever, but it actually looks the most simple to talk about. And that is, is he going to be a net or is he going to be a Laker? Do you see another team coming in and being a surprise here? Personally, I don't. I don't either. There are rumors circling that the 76ers and the Mavericks have shown interest. I think 76 is just absolutely rigs of disaster with him, James Harden, and uh, Joel Embiid all together. I think that would be an absolute disaster. Um, the Mavericks, yeah, it could be fun with Luca. Uh, he'd instantly replace Jalen Brunson as the starting point guard. Um, he'd be a better catch-and-shoot player next to Luca. We know how good he is shooting the ball, especially off the catch. You know, he is one of the most automatic shooters in the NBA when he's on. So that could be a fun little fit. There's also been rumors about Miami. He'd be a huge upgrade over Kyle Lowry, who was disastrous in the playoffs yeah. last year. But what do they? What do the Heat have to give up? Are they willing to give it up? They've got their finger in quite a few pies at the moment with uh, Donovan Mitchell and KD as well. So I think the Lakers is probably the most logical... Um, but if it happens, it's just another another year of this 
soap opera that has become the Los Angeles Lakers. It, it's sort of unbelievable at this point. How fun would it be, though? Like, let's be honest, because I believe that a team is fun whether they're going well or going poorly. I think that's how I define a fun team, rightly or wrongly, but that's just the way I look at it. If it goes well, I mean, as a Celtics fan, it's going to suck to see the Lakers good, but there's something I... I'm kind of in the camp of if the Lakers are good, basketball seems to be going okay. I know a lot of Lakers haters are going to not like me saying that, but from the uh, limited NBA love that I've had now, you know, six or seven seasons now, it looks like when LA are on, the NBA uh, looks on. So that's where I stand on that. But if this goes badly, like you said, mate, I am all in on a sports soap uh, opera that is just going to be an absolute shit show. So I, I, I hope it happens, but... Let's not hope. Let's predict. Where does Kyrie Irving play opening week or opening day if it works out that way? Which jersey is Kyrie Irving wearing? Lakers jersey. It, it's it's the favorite, and it should be the favorite because it seems like he's going to do everything possible to get there, and it seems like LeBron is going to do everything possible to get him there, and we know how much power LeBron carries. Um, so, yeah, I think it might be the... Uh, the bold and the beautiful Lakers style. <laughs> well, LeBron is getting into Hollywood as well, isn't he? So that could uh, that could be the go. I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be in the Lakers jersey as well. Let's go to KD. Oh, my God. And, and a whole boy. Now, I, I don't actually know where you stand on KD. The, the man is top three basketballer I've seen in the last six years. So take that with a grain of salt, given the fact that we don't really have the extensive watching history of the 90s, 80s, and all those things. So take that with a grain of salt, like I said. However, there's something that kind of shits me, that when a player goes, you know, these franchises would be best for me, picking the number one seed in both conferences kind of feels like a cop-out to me. How did you feel when he identified Miami and Phoenix as places that he wanted to go to? We're talking about a man who joined a team that finished 73-9 and nine and yeah. beat them in the conference finals. Mm. I don't know why anyone is surprised that he has done this. It, it's it's the most typical Kevin Durant move of all time. Um, yeah. It's funny, he left the Warriors in order to prove that they needed him more than he needed them. Worked out well, didn't it? He's won one playoff series since then, and they've won an NBA title. So, you know, look, Kevin Durant is the greatest offensive player I have ever seen. Hmm. There's people better than him at certain aspects of the offensive side of the ball, but as an all-round entity, he's the greatest offensive player I've ever seen. He can do literally everything on offense, and he stands seven foot. It's ridiculous to see, but... Him as a person and as a competitor, I guess, mm. yikes. Um, look, I, as a Portland fan, as one of the teams that has been sort of thrown around in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes, obviously I would love nothing more than to acquire him, but um, there's definitely big-time you know, personality question marks over his head because uh he's constantly shown that um you know he's he's happy to jump on the bandwagon uh if you will yeah and what what we've talked about in this you need a squad of eight nine ten to win a championship 
ironically, the team that could probably offer them the best package in terms of players, not necessarily picks, is the joint he came from. Yeah. That's which, the scariest part. Yeah, which is yeah, exactly, which is frightening. Now, I'm kind of in the camp of KD left his girlfriend because he didn't get along with her family. And he's got to make the decision whether he thinks it's worth going back to her in case of going back to Golden State. Um, I think KD going to Golden State is more real than him ending up in Phoenix. I don't know whether Golden State is going to win over Miami or whether he actually stays in Brooklyn or what happens there. But in terms of, I don't think Golden State need to give up the world for him. They're going to have to give up multiple players. We know that. But in terms of gutting the franchise, I don't actually think Golden State are going to have to do that to get him into the door. What do you think? Well, we've spoken about how well Golden State are equipped to make this sustained success operation with the amount of young talent they've got. With Curry and Draymond and Clay all getting older, I don't know whether it'd be a great idea to bring him in. Yes, they'll probably win one maybe two more championships if they do do that. But what's the next 10 years after that looking like if they've given up Jordan Poole, James Wiseman, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, if they've given up three, maybe even all of those players to Brooklyn for Kevin Durant, what's the next 10 to 15 years looking like for Golden State? I know we say that winning titles is everything, but they've done such a great job to put themselves in such a great position that, you nearly wouldn't want to give up all of that. And we saw how things ended with KD and Golden State in terms of the, you know, the the fighting and the the unpleasantness that sort of followed them around. So are they willing to ruin this fantastic culture they've got just to bring in Kevin Durant? I am not too sure. Well, I'm going to put the reputation on the line, mate, and Kevin Durant is going to be in a Golden State Warriors jersey. Opening day, which jersey wow. is Kevin Durant going to be in? Uh, I would love to say Portland, but... Um, <laughs> but you're not going to. I'm not going to. I can see him going to the Miami Heat. Mm. I can see him following LeBron James's footsteps and going down to South Beach. I think the Miami Heat can give a great package, and it's quite obvious that Miami are willing to do anything possible to get the best possible players into the building. So, um, yeah, I can see the Miami Heat pulling something off. And it looks like uh, if they don't get KD, Donovan Mitchell's going to be next on their trade list, according to reports. But that's a pretty comprehensive, short, sharp, and succinct wrap-up, mate. The three S's we know and love at Teddy's and Three. So I'll let you sign off in our signature, well, your signature style. Absolutely, mate. It's been comprehensive. It's been fantastic to talk about. Uh, we're going to be back with off-season content, whether they're shorter episodes covering one or two topics or we'll figure out some off-season uh, topics to talk about. But we will be back. We hope you enjoyed this off-season wrap-up. Stay tuned for more content, but most importantly, 